Marketing. A world of graphic designers, videographers, photographers, and every creative in between. Left to their own, these amazing creatives would never be able to come together to execute a very complex marketing campaign for a large company or firm. This is the exact reason that management exists and is so important. Our guest on today's show is a seasoned professional at this and has managed some teams at some of the world's largest firms. Alejandro Tovar has led management roles in companies like PepsiCo and Philip Morris International and is the current VP of Marketing and Products at Puertos. On this episode of the Trendsetter CMO series, our founder Jake sits down with Alejandro to discuss why leadership is so important for marketing teams and certain application tips for you. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share. Thank you for listening. Now, to Alejandro and Jake. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another Trendsetters CMO podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Alex Tavar, a marketing executive with over two decades of experience in the CPG and a few other industries as well. Uh, Today, we're going to dive into several discussions and topics around leadership and marketing, what that actually looks like, uh, CPG specifically, global uh, advertising and branding and, and, and the nuances of that. Uh, but Alex, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jake, for having me. It's really a fantastic opportunity to be able to be with you and your audience. Of course, yes. And so I, I think one of the, the first questions that I think would be most interesting to dive into is, you know, leadership is talked about quite often. Uh, Most of the time from the perspective of a CEO, founder, or even more of a manager. Similarly, you know, there's plenty of insight and information out there regarding marketing, but specifically marketing leadership. It's not really discussed yet. It is so unique because we're having to traverse so many different things. And then in marketing, you tend to have your most rambunctious, creative personalities for the better or worse sometimes. And yeah. so I'm curious to hear from you and your experience leading, you know, diverse marketing teams across several different, you know, sectors and departments in that, you know, what has worked best for you in the past when it comes to approaching leading, you know, agile marketing teams? That is a great question, Jake. And I've had the opportunity to lead multiple teams across different industries while I was working at CPG, then working in the food industry and at the beginning of my career in beverage So um, one of the things that I have found that is extremely important, and especially nowadays with a lot of newcomers into marketing, it's about making sure that you can inspire them by showing where do you want to go, especially for people that are just entering the workforce or have been around for, let's say, five to ten years. It's important to find a purpose. It's important to make sure that they can understand where do you want to go, to set clear expectations, and also to be able to inspire them. And to me, that is the key word here. 
It's about leadership that is able to inspire you and to motivate you to work on something that is going to be relevant for the brand that you are working for, but most importantly, to make an impact into people's lives. So that is something that, in my experience, has been extremely relevant. Also to lay out which are going to be the expectations. What are you supposed to be doing as a marketer regarding what are the products that I want to launch? How do I want to approach my communications plan? Or most importantly, how can I become that person that needs to know the most about a specific brand or product? That is something that is extremely important to be able to own your brands, to be able to own your services and make sure that you can work with them and become the face of that of that category or that product. Yeah, certainly. I think that's incredible insight, you know, creating purpose both internally because oftentimes, you know, in marketing, you have to kind of live the brand and the consumers as well. And so there's ideas that don't happen in the nine to five. There's ideas that happen outside of it. Uh, and marketing is notoriously the, the always working kind of department. So uh, now, now another question I have for you is within CPG. Now, everyone always thinks their industry is the most unique and the nuances of it. And I was just on a, a conversation with a remodeling group earlier and I, I came out and told them that first. Hey, everyone thinks their industry is unique. It's not. This is how, this is like, these are the facts regardless. However, there's no denying that there are some nuances to CPG that, that just simply don't exist elsewhere. What are some of those unique features and traits uh, and approaches that might exist might exist in CPG that might not exist elsewhere? And how do you um, kind of attack and approach those? Mm -hmm. So you are the, certainly mentioned something that is extremely relevant because within CPG, traditionally well-established brands were the ones that were really driving sales that being the most visible amongst consumers. But one of the things that has been happening over the last, I would say, five to seven years is that Brands that can really communicate a purpose or what do they want to do are the ones that are going to be the most successful. So uh, consumers are becoming much more educated. They have multiple access to different sources of information and data. So for CPG, they really want to make sure that any brand that they are buying or that they are creating an emotional attachment, there needs to be a clear purpose behind it. So in the past, it used to be simple enough to have traditional advertising and looking at a TV ad, radio ad, you name it, and then that would be able to generate brand awareness. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. Some of the cases that we have seen into CPG brands that are very successful are the ones that are really clearly communicating, as I was mentioning, what is their purpose, how they are going to be making an impact into people's lives, and most importantly, how can they be transparent? Because that is another thing that consumers have evolved. They are demanding transparency. They are also demanding that brands are able to communicate to them in a simple and authentic way. Mm -hmm. And that the product is going to deliver a specific benefits for them. What is in for them? So in the past, CPG was all about image and awareness, not anymore. And you can see multiple examples across food and beverage, also into healthcare or even into, for example, I have a great uh, case for a brand. It's not necessarily 100% CPG, but it's on, on eyewear. So these uh, brands that are coming up with authentic stories that are able to connect in a meaningful way from, with consumers are certainly setting themselves apart from the traditional large brands that are out there. So that is something to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see how now impact and purpose and that authenticity spills into more, I would say, simple purchasing habits. Um, where what may have been just a taste preference, now you have kind of health trends coming in, some other things where the, the, the candy bar alone with the brand awareness doesn't sell it anymore. And you uh-huh. got to take on a much more bigger approach. And, and when it comes to that, we oftentimes are looking globally. You know, we, we now live in a in pretty much entirely globally connected world. Um, and that creates immense opportunities. It also creates potential problems, concerns, and, and objectives for uh, us on the brand and marketing side. I'm curious to hear in your experience working uh, with brands that have that global footprint, how does that kind of change things and your approach and and then how do you kind of uh, how do you kind of go about connecting the mm-hmm. brand and then even may, maybe your national marketing uh, you know to that? Yeah, I, I think that you just mentioned something that is extremely important because we live in a connected world. Basically, you can understand what is happening in the U.S. or what is happening in Latin America or even in Asia Pacific. So. One thing that has to be very important for brands is to make sure that they are consistent. They cannot be delivering a message in the U.S. market and then delivering a completely different message in another part of the world because that is going to uh, backfire at a certain moment. They Mm -hmm. have to be simple. They have to be authentic, as we were just mentioning. And they have to have that consistency because even though that consumers are different from geography to geography, they need to make sure that they can connect with one, sim- with one simple and common purpose. So that's something that is, is going to be extremely relevant for them because you can basically try to find out what is happening with the brand in another place of the world. So if you find as a consumer that they are not being consistent and that they are really a, having a different approach in other parts of the world, they're going to question and challenge that. Yeah. You were also mentioning earlier about simplicity. You look at health trends. Consumers are looking for CPG products that are going to be delivering the same promise with less or fewer ingredients. Also, that they are removing anything that might seem undesirable or not necessarily better for me as a consumer. So they have to be consistent and they have to make sure that they are delivering the same messages across the different regions. Yeah, yeah. And, and when it comes to that message, including the, you know, what we mentioned earlier, that purpose, that impact... Um, and literally of that. Now, when it comes to uh, purpose, when it comes to transparency, authenticity, simplicity, when it comes to these things, you know, these are oftentimes, you know, buzzwords per se. And we, we know the concepts of them. We know what that could look like. But I think we struggle sometimes to actually connect that to tangible, tangible executions. Something that I'd be curious to explore with you is for our audience right now that that primarily is between the age of 18 and 30, they're just starting their marketing career. They're not at they're not anywhere close to that executive manager level, so they're not designing that. They're probably heads down in specific executions. Could could you could you essentially share any insight into what it looks like at that management and leadership position when it comes to actually building that? You know, what are those what are those specific documents or, or titles or meetings or conversations that you're having at that level to actually um, design what that purpose and impact looks like rather than just the – because I think all great purpose and impact brands uh, and campaigns stem from an overall strategy, not just the tactics that, that we might see at a lower level. So I'd love to hear like what that actually looks like. 
Mm-hmm. That's a great question, Jake. And certainly, it's all about laying out very clearly and very simple what is going to be your brand purpose, what is going to be your brand architecture, and what are the things that you want to be known for that are going to be setting you apart from competitors. And of course, there is a lot of strategic thinking behind it. But if you are able to write down in one single in one single piece of paper, one page, what is your strategy? What do you want to achieve? What is your purpose? And why? Oh, sorry, what are the things that you are different versus your competitors? That should be able to cascade down across the organization. I used to have a, a, a CEO that that said, you know what? If you cannot lay out your strategy in one PowerPoint chart in one piece of paper, then your strategy is completely wrong. And that's true because if you start to articulate your strategy in a very confusing way and trying to go through different avenues, then it's not clear. It has to be very simple. Because then, to your question, that is going to translate into the tactics. From a consumer perspective, from a customer perspective, it has to be simple to understand. It doesn't need to be very elaborated. It has to be simple, but it has to connect. I know that this is easier said than done because there is a lot of thinking behind it, but it has to be crystal clear for you. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a famous Mark Twain quote regarding that, that it goes, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. It's much more difficult to convey a lot in a little and simplicity than it is to, to do that. And I think sometimes us... Uh, younger marketers fall into the trap of trying to prepare 50-page slide decks covering what is just one or two topics. And it's not to say that we shouldn't uncover all that data and information, but if we can't explain that, if we can't fit it on a page, then it's likely not going to translate into anything great. And uh-huh. speaking of things translating into great, what are I'm, I'm curious to hear what are some of your favorite brands right now or favorite kind of adverts or or marketing tactics and strategies that you've mm-hmm. seen pop up um, mm-hmm. and, and why and what like stands out to you regarding those? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question. I think that there are multiple brands out there that are certainly taking different steps to make sure that they can become much more relevant. If I would think about, and this is something that is very close to my heart, I'm a complete fan about uh, sunglasses, eyewear. I sunglasses, love yeah. So, uh, actually, I can tell you that I have 75 pairs of sunglasses. Uh, I, I wear prescription glasses, but I need to have my sunglasses. So um, I have a brand that is actually in California. The name of the brand is called Blender's Eyewear. If you have some time or someone in your audience are able to have a look at it. So this is a brand that is very simple, very authentic. And actually, their message is like, hey, we were able to deliver great quality sunglasses or eyewear at a very reasonable price and by removing all the stuff that is not needed. And they are even calling out like big advertising campaigns, like big manufacturing facilities. So they say, you know what? We're going to keep a very lean product range. We're going to come up with different ideas every season. And we don't have more than, if I'm not mistaken, 35 SKUs. So they are keeping that very simple. They rely on their Instagram. They rely on the people that, that love their brand and become their ambassadors. So they are communicating in a way that is very tangible and very close to the audience. So that is one example. Another example of a great brand that actually has been reinventing itself, and it's actually a classic brand, look at V8, the, the vitamin juice or the vegetable yeah, juice. Yeah. And I probably, everybody knows it. So one of the things that they have done is that they have identified open spaces, white spaces, where they can start to play around nutrition 
they can start to have a different approach towards different blends of a combination between vegetables and fruits. And they have been delivering a more simple product range so that actually that goes into different audiences that are going to be much more relevant. And they have that background of a very well, solid, established brand. But then how do they make it simple? How do they make it relevant for consumers? We were talking earlier about lesser ingredients, healthier options, vitamins. So that is something that I have been following them very closely. And that, that is a fantastic case as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that simplicity can sometimes boil over to that marketing and advertising. Um, mm-hmm. I know Bud Light's, a, you know, some of their campaigns last summer were all about just being, it was like the three ingredient list or something or yes. made with rice or something like things of that nature. And, and it's been interesting to see that with transparency and authenticity, marketing and advertising continues to kind of be, it, it's almost becoming more simple, right? Yet mm-hmm. from a distribution standpoint, quite more complex. There's a million different platforms. So, you know, from your perspective, what does the future of those communication pathways look like? Do you think it's going to be a simple message told a million different ways across a million different channels? Or do you think it becomes unique messaging and, and tailoring that message across all these different uh, channels? Or do you think maybe that, that trims down over time? And, and I know you don't have a crystal ball with you right now. Mm-hmm. And predicting that is probably the the trillion dollar question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd just love to dive in this discussion with you. Yeah. yeah, I would say, Jake, that if we go back at having that simple messaging, that is something that has to go across the different channels. But certainly, there are different ways to communicate to audiences depending on how a brand a brand interacts with them. So mm-hmm. there are certain tweaks that are going to be made if it's either on social media or if it's uh, an event, a trade show, or if it's through a referral program. So there are going to be some tweaks. But again, you have to go back to that essence of what is my thing that I'm going to be able to stand for uh, for, my, for the brand and how am I being different versus competitors. So you need to keep that. And then the, the messaging is going to be probably slightly adapted depending on how you go to market. So I think that that is going to be the way that is going to be approached. But certainly to your point, Brand managers or product managers need to be very clear on how do they want to approach their different go-to-market strategies to make sure that they can ensure that consistency and that transparency that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think that's incredible advice. It's almost start in start small with the brand and let's really define that and the message first and then uh-huh. disperse that and, and tailor that message um, almost as needed. Now... Uh-huh. When it comes to the future and new technologies, new disruptive digital mediums, trends like transparency and authenticity, um, what are some that you see on the horizon bubbling up in the marketing realm? Um, you know, some of the discussions in the past we've had on this are regarding TikTok or regarding influencers and the collapse of our traditional influencer. You know, what does paid media look like with rising ad costs? Like all these different things. So uh-huh. I'd love to hear uh, from your perspective, like some uh-huh. things on the horizon that you're looking at. Uh-huh. So certainly the ones that you just called out are already there. But one of the things that I've seen that it's coming much more relevant, it's everything that has to do with artificial intelligence or even something that has to do with virtual reality. Because, and especially now that we're living or transitioning into this new normal, how can you actively engage with your audience even when they are at home or when they are at different moments that they might not have that immediate access to the brand. So certainly 
uh, virtual reality, being able to develop spaces where you can basically be transported into a unique environment. That is something that I believe that brands are going to start exploring much more. Again, artificial intelligence, how can you lever on the different uh, elements that can be sent through push notifications to your mobile or through your wearable devices, something that is understanding much better the lifestyle of, of consumers and how you can actually capitalize on that. So even you can imagine that at a certain moment, for example, for the food industry, and that's a space that I know very well, that you can tailor the different type of food that you are going to be eating based on your DNA. So everything that has to do with biometrics, artificial intelligence, that is something that is there. And we have seen already very good examples of brands that are really exploring that kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's going to be so wild to see the full integration of those technologies and what that actually looks like, particularly when there's no limit to what that could mean. You know, AI is obviously, that's, that's going to be everything, but uh-huh. VR from a brand marketing advertising perspective could, I mean, what does that do to content? What does that do to ads as we know it? What does that, uh-huh. I mean, is, what does it do with experiences? Is Amazon just going to be a virtual store now that it's like retail, but virtual, like there's a lot of question marks and it's uh, uh-huh. always an interesting time to be in the marketing and advertising realm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that every single time that you're in marketing, you have that great opportunity to come up with new ideas. And one of the things that I always told my teams is like, hey, make sure that you can always think as a consumer. How can you really be out, understand what your consumers are looking for? But most importantly, how can you always make a difference? Um, Another thing that uh, a friend of mine, uh, that he was in marketing for many years, he's already retired, but he told me, Alejandro, you know, as a marketer, you have never be able to find a great idea inside your office. You have to be out there with your consumers. You have to be out there with your customers. Make sure that you understand that you lead the brand and that you become that person that is going to be living and breathing every single moment so that you can identify potential opportunities for the brand to continue to expand. Yeah, I think that's such simple yet mm-hmm. forgotten advice that you know, we, we, we load up our plate as marketers and knowledge and resources and so on. And we spend time arguing about adverbs and adjectives and uh-huh. color palettes and hex codes. And uh, we forget, wait a sec, who, what's the consumer actually thinking about? Exactly. So with that in mind, my final question for you is as a consumer, what is the most interesting kind of like food category that you find, you know, wild as a consumer? And, and, and I'll, I'll start to cue this up to let you think. I am fascinated right now with energy drinks and uh-huh. slash coffee. So Bang Energy, huge new brand that's on the shelves everywhere. Uh, some estimates, it, I think it was like up to 10% of market share. I assume that has risen since I've last checked. Um, likely, I would assume closer 15, 20%, causing a lot of problems with Monster Red Bull. Uh-huh. Um, I know, I believe Rockstar was just acquired by Pepsi or is in the process yeah. of something in that age. Yeah. And so that's fascinating to me. Like, what does that do with cap- coffee sales? Um, coffee, not always the most tasty beverage when you're first, kind of like beer, right? It's like you kind of age up into it. But now we've seen in the alcohol industry, then you have sparkling drinks that come in in between. So uh-huh. that's what fascinates me most as a consumer. I'm always like looking at all the different new options and the Quick Trip launching their own actual energy product. Uh-huh. Are, is there a specific food? food group or category that fascinates uh-huh. you? 
Mm-hmm. I think that certainly energy, the energy space, that's something that's phenomenal. But that's already your example. So I want to give you another yeah. example that is still very, I would say, relatively new, but that certainly everybody is going through it. It's about the plant base or the beyond, yes. the beyond category. And I can tell you, I love meat. I mean, I was telling the other day a friend, hey, I could probably never be a vegetarian. But one of the things that has really fascinated me is like, how can you actually eat a plant-based meat? It can be a burger, it can be a steak. And you know what? If you would put them uh, one in front of the other, the, let's say the standard one versus the plant-based, I can tell you probably only one or two uh, consumers out of 10 might be able to tell the difference. So that is a space that it's very untapped. It's growing double digit. And actually a lot of consumers and especially, let's say, young adults between 18 to 25, 30 years old, they are adapting these lifestyles of flexitarians, which probably you already heard that, hey, you know what? I'm not 100% vegetarian, but I might be able to eat something here or there. So that is a fantastic space that a lot of brands and a lot of products are really tapping into it. And I can tell you, it is across meat, it is across uh, baked goods, it is across beverages. So there is a lot of on top opportunity. And how do you see that dynamic? It's just really phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that's an incredible space. And I can tell you, from my perspective, the, the far majority of our generation, the, the avocado toast generation, as I call it, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. fascinated by kombucha and yeah. um, u- unique things. Plant- plant-based is really integrating. And like you said, it's not just the super hardcore vegan community. I myself even, I consume plant-based protein instead of whey mm-hmm. because whey protein will just make me look more more gross on camera than I sometimes appear and, <laughs> and some, some other things. So yeah, it's interesting to see that. But yeah, I think this was an, an incredible episode. And I think my biggest takeaway here was really in inspiring and fueling purpose and impact into both marketing teams as well as the, the actual marketing itself and the brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity, Jake, to be able to share my experience with your, with your audience. And hey, let's make sure that we can stay connected so that we can continue to share and learn. Of course, of course, we'd love to. Should they hit you up anywhere on social media? Yeah, so I mean, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Actually, you do a LinkedIn backslash in Etovar. And also on Twitter, I am as Alex Techie. So that's Alex T E C H Y. Got it. And are you a big Twitter guy? I'm, I'm a big Twitter guy. I have no Twitter, like probably like in, in a month or so because of yeah. the lockdown, but I'm yes. trying to be back. Awesome. I know Twitter's kind of like under, some people in marketing love Twitter. I'm anti-Twitter right now, but regardless, uh, we'll see if I make a comeback. But yeah, I appreciate your time. This was an incredible episode. And I thank you all for tuning in.